Welcome to the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Well, so good to have you all here. Today we're going to look at something that I've recited each and every Zazen Kai for the last, what are we now, 17 years? Something, it's getting close. And uh, as far as I can see, I never actually spoke about this before. Maybe I did a while back and I just can't find it, but it's one of those things that we do and maybe we don't really look at it or consider it closely. Zen is about sometimes doing things without thought, but it's not about being thoughtless. And sometimes we do things during the day and we just pass on through, rush on through. So much of our Zen practice is about letting us stop and consider for a moment that even the simplest things are sacred, you know. And uh, when I get up in the morning, I switch on the coffee maker. Let me, uh, I'm having my coffee and my tea here. But you know, now, since I'm practicing Zen, I give a little bow to that coffee maker and make it a little ritual. It's not exactly the tea ceremony, it's the coffee ceremony for me. But uh, I try to do it with uh, a little extra grace with my hand and pouring the water, not just rushing. Well, this ceremony that we do is also something that's more obviously supposed to be sacred, but we can rush through it, not give it much thought. So I thought for today we would really look at the words and what we're reciting each time. It has a lovely name, one of those chants names that just happens to also resound, echo, with uh, English. This is called an echo, the dedication of merit, which sounds exactly, pretty much, you agree, John, echo. Yeah. And the meaning also happens to be very close, because the two kanji basically means something like the effects, and it's talking about the effects, the effects go around and come back and face forward and go around. That's what it means. Something like uh, circulate. And that's kind of like what an echo is, right? The vibrations that go back and forth and resound and go out, right? That's what the echo is. Now, this is usually called a, a dedication of merit. And uh, I changed the name a little here to a, a, de- a dedication of our hopes and aspirations. And that's kind of my way of, uh, how to say, updating things a little bit for my own heart. But let me explain why I did that again. You know, in Mahayana Buddhism, uh, well, you have karma, of course. You know, you do bad things and bad things are going to happen to you. Maybe not this life, maybe a few lives down the road, but you got to pay that debt. And if you do good things, that also 
comes back to you. But somewhere in the Mahayana, maybe earlier in even Indian Buddhism, the idea said that uh, came up, oh, if I do all these good things and I want to help someone, can I give them my good karma? And uh, the idea came up with, uh, sure, you can donate your good karma to others. That's the dedication. You donate. We're giving our karma away to the world, to sometimes it's someone particular. Today, we're sitting and for in memory of uh, John's uncle Brian, who has passed. And in traditional Buddhism, we would be dedicating today to Brian. May he have a good rebirth. You know, we're giving our karma away. And it's a lovely, lovely thing because Mahayana is supposed to be always about not just selfishly helping ourselves, but giving. Now, there is a little kind of say wonderful accounting trick here in the bank account of karma. Giving your karma is a good act for which you earn more good karma. So talk about the big cosmic win-win. You give away your karma. And because you gave it away, you get good karma. Everybody's happy. It's a lovely thing. So I believe in karma. I believe the acts we do have effects. Now, you know me, I'm a little, uh, how to say, ambiguous about whether that's literally going to mean in five lives from now, you're going to be reborn in heaven as a diva living in a palace. How to say? Sorry, no written guarantees here of that. I'm sorry. I leave that to itself. If it is so, inshallah, may it be so. Oh, that's the other religion. Sorry, I, I, I got confused. I thought, anyway, may it be so. But our good things and our generosity certainly has effects that resound and vibrate in the world. Right now, if I yelled at, uh, let's say, Ross here, Ross, that's an ugly shirt. He'd go, what, what? No, I really, it's a fine, 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 fine shirt. But uh, see, what I do resounds across. I just crossed the Sea of Japan to China and uh, impacted Ross and left him with a bad feeling for a moment. Well, if I do something good, Ross, you're a heck of a nice guy. Also has effects. Hopefully, sitting here is having effects to bring a little beauty and peace into the world. First, hopefully for all of you. But uh, maybe then you go out with uh, this, uh, the effects of this, and you pass it on in your family, your neighborhood, your town, and it has effects that resound out. So what we're doing here has effects, good effects, I hope. And this ceremony, we dedicate it to our hopes and aspirations for the good effects this has. That's to me is karma. What, what happens five years down the road, five years, I mean, five lives, uh, fine. But right now, let this have good effects. Okay, so that is how I believe in the echo we are reciting. Now I posted a little bit about that, a definition. If you look uh, on our tree leaf page, you will see uh, some things that uh, 
uh, Soto Shu wrote about that, about uh, how we can dedicate it to our ancestors, we can dedicate it to our friends, we can dedicate it to our whole world. So let's look at uh, what we're dedicating. First it begins, Buddha nature pervades the whole universe. Reality, notice I put a comma after the reality, existing right here now. This to me is the most basic teaching of Buddhism, uh, or Zen, I should say, our, our greatest wisdom, which is Buddha nature pervades everywhere. Now we call Buddhism, what do we, what do we, I mean, what do we call this everywhere, the whole universe, that's Buddha nature, you can call it Buddha, you can call it uh, Buddha with a big B, some people might use the God word if they wish, the wise will say nothing at all. I like to call it the, the great wholeness of it all, where all the, the separation, the division is, you know, the, the great, I'm looking, we have, it's one of those days, we have a, a blue sky with not a cloud in it. Perfect. The wide blue sky, the wholeness, whatever you want to call it, or shh, don't call it anything at all. And this is existing right here now in what we're doing. It's existing as this teacup. It's existing as Ross's shirt. It's existing as Ross. It's existing as the tree I'm looking at outside, the tree in the garden. But um, bum, that's a little joke. I, I literally have a tree in the garden. That's a, a, a koan reference for you guys. What is the meaning of Buddhism, the tree in the garden? Here it is. It is. It is existing right here now. All of the great whatever is in every little thing. Reality is that pivot point. The reality is both the whole and each individual thing. But in ignorance, we get lost in the individual things and we don't realize how sacred and, and whole it all is. We only see the broken pieces. So it starts off with that most basic teaching. Buddha nature pervades the whole universe. Reality existing right here. Now, in everything, each thing, each being. In reciting the heart of the perfection of great wisdom sutra and today also the identity of relative and absolute, I have it, we dedicate the merit to is usually the language. We dedicate the merit, the karmic, we dedicate the karma, the good karma to, but I put, we dedicate our sincere efforts to and then we're basically dedicating first to our lineage. Shakyamuni Buddha, honored one, the historical Buddha and teacher, the founder in India, though in our line we think that he was not the first Buddha necessarily. It kind of goes on infinitely into the past. But we have to start somewhere, so we start with Shakyamuni. And uh, if you went to a... Uh, Soto Temple, as we do each year during our Rohat session, they would go through all the line of all the ancestors. I keep forgetting what generation I am. I think, what am I, Beyond? I think 93, 94, I don't know. I'm, I'm supposedly not, number 93, and you got to go through the other 92 guys, right? But uh, we uh, kind of abbreviate here a little. So uh, we go, Shakyamuni Honored One, Yada, yada, yada. Well, that's, we don't say yada, 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 but you, you know what I mean, et cetera, et cetera. 
and to those ancestral uh, teachers, we have Bodhidharma, we have Wei Nung, of course, they get special mention, but we even just jump right ahead to Ehe Dogen, who brought Soto to Japan. Then in Sotoshu, for various reasons, we also honor the third ancestor, Keizan, as uh, our other founder. They're the twin founders. And if you look even um, on the traditional, there's a scroll, very traditional in Sotoshu, that has Buddha in the middle. And uh, Dogen, I think, is sitting on the, I may get this wrong, on the left side. No, Dogen's on the right side. Dogen's on the right. And Keizan's on the left right? The right-hand man, the left hand, and they're the twin founders. And I used to think, you know, my teacher, Nishijima, was a Dogen guy and wasn't, you know, too crazy about Kazan. Kazan supposedly brought a lot of esoteric beliefs in there and kind of watered down, you know, Dogen's teachings. That's what some felt. So I was kind of like not a big Kazan fan, but, you know, my opinion of Kazan began to change a few years ago when there was some excellent writing about Kazan, and I, I, I realized something. Dogen, brilliant, genius, and we would not have these teachings, perhaps, if it had been left to Dogen, for the simple reason that Dogen, brilliant, genius, may not have been the best communicator and message giver to the world. Kazan, knew how to spread these teachings and popularize them a little and spread the message, yet in his way was as, as Soto and Dogen faithful as can be. He didn't really water down the teachings. He kind of opened them up and made them more attractive. Yes, he brought in a few things uh, that uh, the people liked, a few more ceremonies for good luck and good fortune, that kind of thing. He would He would... He was more of a popularizer, yes. But if he hadn't done that, we might not be here today. And that's also the reason if you come to Japan, there's about, I think, 15 Kazan lineage temples to every Dogen lineage temple. Because Dogen's lineage stayed small and, and, and uh, Kazan knew how to, you know, he knew, he knew how to work, work things, work the, work the world a little bit. And uh, not in a bad way. Kazan spread a good message. So we celebrate Kazan too. And then we go all the way up to my grandfather, Zuegaku Rempo, who was the uh, abbot of Dogen's temple, Eheji. And he was also, uh, I like to say, the Pope of Sotoshu. He was the, the top monk, uh, the head monk of the whole organization. He was a big shot, which uh, is very surprising why he ordained Nishijima, because Nishijima was kind of against all that. And I talked to Nishijima once and I said, how did Zuegaku Rempo, who was Mr. Establishment, ordain you, who is Mr. Radical Rebel? And Nishijima basically said to me, oh, Nishij Niwa Roshi, no, Niwa Zenji. Zenji is a special title you get when you're the the head of one of the head temples. So it's a big thing, a Zenji. He's not a Roshi, he's a Zenji. Niwa Zenji knew that if you don't put fresh blood and, and, and kick us in the butt a little bit, the whole thing's gonna just turn to dust. 
You need the rebels. You need the radicals. You need the reformers. You need the people like my teacher, who very similar actually to Kazan, was trying to bring this message out into the world to you. My teacher, who wasn't crazy about Kazan, was a Kazan, trying to popularize this in a good way and be faithful to Dogen in a good way, but make it approachable to the world. Niwa knew that, Mr. Establishment. So he ordained and gave Dharma transmission to the rebel. And there we are. That's why we have Gudo Wafu honored one. And there are countless honored ones who are not officially in the lineage, but they're teachers to us. There are teachers everywhere. So we also have it to all other honored ones throughout history, all of them who are unnamed. As you know, the lineage that supposedly goes back to the Buddha, let's be honest, gets a little fuzzy after a thousand years. But hey, what doesn't get fuzzy after a thousand years? You know what I mean? I'm almost a thousand years old and I'm starting to get fuzzy, if you get my book, right? Now, you know your dad, I hope, or maybe some of you actually, I, I shouldn't say that, some of you do not, but you know, hopefully your family, unless you were adopted or something, and then you, you probably know your, your grandfather, but your great-grandfather? getting fuzzy there going back you know even if you searched your roots but you came from somewhere and a lot of people contributed to all that dna that's in you so we're all the product of the lineage and family so it's true that after you get back about a thousand years our lineage gets to be a little let's be honest about it cut and paste a little bit you know they took this guy and this guy here, and they lived about a hundred years apart, but okay, let's put it together and we'll make a line back to Shakyamuni. First people went, oh, it's, is it fake? No, it represents somebody and some bodies who kept this flame burning generation to generation from India through China to Japan to you. So it's real. And Zen developed later, it developed more in China, it, uh, you know, Buddhism developed, but these were real people who developed it and kept it going. Your real family is the same, led to you. So I like to say, well, okay, we only have a good idea who these people were really historically for about a thousand years. I think that's good enough. Come on, a thousand years. Okay, we're pretty sure who the people were. And when you go back, you know, as you get closer and closer, it becomes more and more definite. All right. So not too bad, even if it gets a little fuzzy. And then originally uh, we didn't have this. We, we used to think we were uh, very woke because we said male and female honored ones. You know, we're, we're recognizing, hey, it's not the boys club. You notice it's all boys in our traditional lineage. Right. And then somebody uh, in about 1970s said, hey, you know, that's only half the population. And uh, don't you think there were some Zen women and uh, the Zen men kind of went and said, yeah, actually, let's look into that. And there were all these Buddhist women. We have a couple here with us today. Hi, Shonen. And um, we have to recognize them, too. So we said male and female honored ones. And then we thought, okay, we've, we've done our, 
our duty. We recognize that we're done. And then a few years ago, somebody said, you know, it's more than just male and female. And we realized that's true too. And something that wasn't talked about particularly for the thousands of years, but I assure you there were LGBTQ people going all back. You know, we just didn't talk about it because we're Buddhists. We, we kind of stay away from that whole sex thing. You know. Somehow it ended up completely a boys club, but we don't talk about sex. Let's think about that. You know, oh, no, no, we're completely open minded. Everybody's exactly the same, but it's all boys going all the way back. But anyway, now to recognize that it's more our Sangha, I think we invented this. And I don't, I tried to get other people to copy it. I don't know if anybody has, but we now say same yet diverse honored one. Covers anybody, everybody. And I hope that holds for a few centuries. Okay. Everybody is same yet diverse and we honor them all. Whose names have been forgotten or left unsaid because that's exactly what happened. Who knows who these people are? Who knows? all the people who have contributed, yet let us honor them all, even if we don't know their name, even if we don't say their name. We dedicate these efforts to the three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. We reflected on this during Jukai. Buddha is both the Buddha, the man in India, but also the, the big everything. Dharma is everything, and also the Buddhist teachings about everything. And Sangha is the community of all of us who are studying what the Buddha taught. And it's all connected. It's all one thing. The three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. We honor that. And then I put in here, you're going to see, and we're going to look at the traditional words in, in Japan. We could do that right now. Let's look at the traditional words. It's at the end here. You know, these teachings came from, again, traditional India, traditional China, traditional Japan. And people think Zodo Zen, very modern, down to earth. No, it's very traditional. And I'm, again, a kind of a modernizer. I'm also Kazan in my way. I'm trying to do something. I'm on the reverse Kazan. Kazan tried to popularize things by being very magical. And I'm kind of like trying to popularize things by kind of cooling down some of the shall we say, woohoo, a little bit, all right? So it mentions here, we're going to dedicate this to a bunch of beings. And I went, well, I don't know about these beings. So let, let's look at what the traditional Soto Shu says here. It's at the, end, at the end. Having chanted the heart of the perfection of Wisdom Sutra, we reverently offer the merit generated thereby to our great benefactor and founder of the doctrine, the original teacher, Shakyamuni Buddha, check, that's what we do, or whatever other figure is currently uh, venerated at your place of practice. Um, not sure why that is. It may be some temples actually have someone on the altar, like canon or something other than Buddha. I'm not sure. To uh, the eminent ancestor Dogen, check, we do that. To Kazan, check. To the successive generations of Buddhas and ancestors who transmitted the flame, check. We're all in the same place. To the founding abbot of the monastery, well, yeah, Kazan, I mean, Niwa Roshi would be our founding abbot, technically. To the guest teacher, I guess we don't know who that is. To the eternal three treasures, that's the Buddha Dharma Sangha, check. 
We're all on the same page in the 10 directions. That means everywhere. Check that we may repay their compassionate blessings. Now, here's the part where I said, oh, I'm going to change this a little. We further offer it to all the Dharma protecting divas, to the Dharma protecting saints, to the earth spirit of this place, and to the monastery protecting spirits. Okay, first off, I'm a hypocrite. I've told this story before because the great modernizer behind my house, like all my neighbors here, I have a little shrine to the earth de deity. And once a year, my wife and I, on New Year's Day, with all the kids, we go out, we do a whole thing around the neighborhood. We go to all the sacred sites. We got little temples and little cannons, statues and little Jizo. We go all around here. There's a temple next door we visit. And we go to the earth deity back there and we give a little bow. Why? We got earthquakes here, man. I'm not taking any chances. Okay? Couldn't hurt. Keep the, we had a huge earthquake. You might have heard the one with the Fukushima and all that. My roof fell off my house. My house was shaken like a, a boat on the, on a, in a storm for months where we were shaking. You wouldn't believe it. This room too, man. Oh, some of this stuff has fallen over. And my house did not fall down, which is a testament to both traditional Japanese architecture is as good as they say it is. Wow, a thousand years ago, man, they knew how to build things that survive earthquakes. The only time they don't survive earthquakes is if you had the tsunami, the water came and took the houses, that, that nothing will stop. Or if you have termites, so you make sure you don't have termites. But if you got a place without termites, it somehow is these old buildings, they get through earthquakes. So anyway, but anyway, that's one reason. The other reason is the earth, the earth deity, okay, I'm a hypocrite, but I said, we're going to, the, the temple protecting divas and spirits. Uh, so I just kind of muddle through, okay, uh, bow to all awakened ones and teachers in all places and times. Okay? Covers everything. You interpret that as you wish. Now, the rest came from my mentor, Mitch Cantor, who was in the White Plum, but also was in the, uh, what is Bernie Glassman's group? The Zen Peacemakers. I believe some of this comes from the Zen peacemakers and it's just what we need in this world and is beautiful and speaks for itself. Who do we dedicate this merit to? We especially seek tranquility and well-being for all creatures now suffering or ill in health. That's a lot of folks who are sick. May they be serene through all their ills. May their lives be at peace and wisdom pervade the darkness of ignorance. That means may they see to the wholeness, to the something beyond their present sickness, their present suffering bodies. May they see the light through the ignorance, the, the light that's shining through their present dark moment, something like that. And then this is the part I think that's from um, Bernie Glassman. We dedicate our hopes and aspirations to all victims of war and violence and natural events. I think the original said, I changed it again, to war and terrorism. All victims of war, violence, or war and terror. I added something. Maybe I added the reference to natural events because you do have earthquakes and you do have floods around the world. And we dedicate our hopes and aspirations. May they know peace. May they not suffer. May they 
somehow be safe, victims of war. There's a few in the news. Violence doesn't stop natural events. By the way, uh, time for my plug. Uh, do read my book, uh, Building the Future Buddha. We'll get right to that war, violence, and I can't do so much about the natural events, but at least there's a few things, suggestions in there about war and violence. Okay, that was our commercial break. Now back to our regular programming. To the injured and to all families touched by these tragedies, to the healing of hatred in all countries and among all peoples, to the wisdom and compassion of our world leaders. I know a few who could use a little more of that. Yeah. To the peace of the world and harmony of all beings. Well, you know, this is a pretty good list because if, if you'd really, if we did attain just those things, what a nice world this would be. We might still have earthquakes, but uh, think of all the little problems in this world if people were living in harmony with a little more compassion and generosity and uh, a little less hate. I think it's a very good dedication. And then the next part says, thus let the harmful effects, this is, uh, we're kind of atoning for our karma here too, our bad karma, our bad actions. Thus let the harmful effects of our words, thoughts, and actions be dispelled. Whoever wrote this had a, a way with words here. You know, better than saying, hey, all the bad stuff you did, let it take a hike, you know. Let it be dispelled, all our bad actions. And may compassion bloom in perpetual spring. Lovely. May we all realize and live. Notice it's two things. You got to realize it. You got to be aware of it. And then you have to realize it, make it real. You have to live it, not just theoretically. May we realize and live the enlightened way together. And then we close with all Buddhas throughout space and time, all Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas. People say, are those separate things? Actually, it, it, not really. I, I looked into the Bodhisattvas are the Mahasattvas, but some other people say they're, they're kind of a little different. It just means the Bodhisattvas, the ones, the, the wise ones who are great beings, the wise beings, great beings. Now, are the wise beings the great beings? Some people say yes, it's one word, the wise beings who are the great beings, and others say it's the wise bodhisattvas and other great beings. I like to go with the first time, the wise one, the wise, the wise being bodhisattvas are the great beings, so it's one thing, the bodhisattva mahasattvas. Say it three times fast, bodhisattvas mahasattvas, bodhisattvas mahasattvas, bodhisattvas mahasattvas. Okay, maha, great, prajna, Wisdom, Maha Prajna Paramita, the perfection, the great perfection of wisdom. Okay, let's just uh, check in real qu quickly and see how the uh, Soto Shoe ends there. Uh, I think uh, we're basically in harmony. Theirs is a lot shorter. What we pray for is peace in the land, harmony among nations. Okay, check, check. That's where we're from. Next one said, Prosperity and longevity for donors throughout the 10 directions. Well, of course, you know, I, I'm happy. Our donors, yes, let, let the merit go to our donors. I'm just not so in your face about it. But I'm not running a big, you know, monastery where I need, you know, donors, you know, hey, you write me a check. 
I'll send you a little merit, you know? I'm not, I'm not gonna be so in your face, but of course, all the merit here is to our donors too. Now at TreeLeaf, we don't require any donations. I wanna emphasize that. We don't go chasing after anyone. If someone wants to give a donation, we're lovely and we, we welcome it. But we send the merits of this to our donors and our non-donors too. How's that? May the merit of these practices go to all our non-donors. And if you donate today, donate today, you get a free tote bag. I'm just kidding. We don't have a tote bag. I think we have a t-shirt actually. You can download. If you donate to us, you get a, isn't that right? You don't get a t-shirt, but you get the pattern. You can put on your tree leaf t-shirt. Okay. But even our non-donors, if you're a non-donor, you may have a t-shirt. Go ahead. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> prosperity and longevity for donors, everybody in the 10 directions. Tranquility within the monastery. You know, no comment on that this week. Uh, a little inside joke between me and you. No, that's... Uh, uh, tranquility within the monastery and ample sustenance for the community. Yes, yes. But we're a bring-your-own-lunch uh, zendo. We don't serve meals. you got to bring your own to our uh, tree leaf place. But uh, ample sustenance for the community. May all sentient beings throughout the Dharma realm, the Dharma realm is the, the world, equally perfect omniscience. I got to tell you something. I don't get this thing with the omniscience at the end. And I did check it as much as I wish to. I'm, I'm going to look at I got to see what they were, where did they get omniscience here? You would say enlightenment. May all the Dharma realm equally perf perfect enlightenment, but that's not omniscience. We've got a little mystery here. I will check and report back to you guys. What's this omniscience thing here? It's uh, it sticks out like a sore thumb to me. You know what omniscience is? Like you know, I'm omniscient. I know all things. I don't know. Is that some someone's bad translation translation of enlightenment omniscience? And then sometimes they add, may this merit extend universally to all so that we together with all beings realize the Buddha way. Check, we're basically in harmony. So that is our echo. Does it echo with you? Does it echo in your hearts? I hope so. In any event, that's my talk. That's my talk. That's my talk. That's my talk. Do you have any uh, questions? Comments, complaints? Thank you for joining us for the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice. <laughs>